You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 12, episode 2. I'm John, I'm joined tonight by Josh. How are you doing? Good evening, John. Good, good evening. All right, mate. That was good Good cool. to be back. As I. Fantastic. We are back for another yeah. season of Scottish football. We are indeed, I. Um, and we're also joined by Scott. How are you doing? I'm good. 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 As Josh says, good to be back for a new season. It is good to be back. So, I suppose we should start with pure, like, typical Scottish football moment. A manager sacked before the season even starts in terms of league season. Did any of you watch the Motherwell game on Thursday? Um, I just saw the highlights, mate. But, I mean, box, that's pure box office, isn't it? A manager sacked 20, what, what was it, like 72, no, what was it, 36 hours or something like that before they, their game was kicking off? Something, something ridiculous like that. Um, you know, their first league game of the season. But, I mean, it, to be honest, I, d- I don't think the sacking was a direct result of the Sligo game. Um, they, they were on a, you know, they were on a decline for ages. And and speaking to my little fans, you know, we've heard what they've had to say about it. The football this calendar year has been shocking. Um, really, really bad to watch. And, you know, see if you're, see if you're, Watch, see if you're getting banned to watch football and you're not getting the results, then it's it's just such a, a poisonous combination. You you can watch terrible football, but win every week, and you know you can be pretty happy. Um, Motherwell, well, Motherwell are a good example of that. Um, under Stephen Robinson, uh, Stephen Robinson's early years uh, when they were just you know a bunch of absolute hammer throwers, but you know they were picking up good results and getting to the end of cup finals and and, and all that. Um, but I, I'm not surprised. But I, I'm surprised at the fact he was sacked before a ball was kicked, literally in the league season this year. Um, but I'm not surprised that um, Graham Alexander was given his jotter, so to speak, um, because it, they, they've been on the decline for ages. And just to, I mean, fair play to Motherwell. Um, they've acted early, so they have plenty of time to rectify um, the situation. Well, they've got a whole season, don't they? to rectify the situation. So we'll be interesting to see who comes in. I, to be honest, I don't think Stephen Hamill would be the worst shout in the world, but there'll be other big names um, mentioned in the bookies. I think it's a funny word because until Josh said, you know, fair, fair play to Motherwell for, for, for doing it this early, it's like, well, then it's that one point that I then thought, well, actually... They should have probably done it at the end of the season and given them themselves the best chance in Europe. Said so thanks very much. We got in because because I heard a lot of Motherwell fans saying the worst thing that could have actually happened was that they qualified for Europe because that kept them in a job beyond the end of the season. And you do wonder if you, it was tortured football for the last six months that they were on a, as Josh said, they were on a decline. It was clear for everybody to see. Just think, well. That's as far as you can take it for Graham Alexander. Well, let's try something else. Let's give ourselves the best opportunity. Because now somebody's going to come in, and of course, that's the transfer window done, and they're not, and they're, the pre season's done. 
So they're, they're going to play catch-up. I think if, if I was Motherwell, I would leave Stevie Howell in the job for a couple of weeks and see how he does. The, the St Mirren game, I don't know if the result kind of flattered him a wee bit. St Mirren kind of hammered the door down a few times. Kelly was fantastic in goals. Made some really good saves. Um, but if they could get that bounce and get a couple more wins and get some performances out of the players, then it gives them a wee bit of breathing space where they can say, right, OK, well, let's keep Stevie Hamill in it for six months and see how we get on or whatever. Because um, I don't know who is out there. You know, you, you can never tell with Scottish football. It could be somebody you've not heard of for about 40 years suddenly comes out from the grave and they're, they've taken over another job. Or it's somebody that keeps going, like Tommy Wright, that keeps going from job to job. Or somebody from down south you've never heard of. So I think... The timing of it, I was actually surprised that they acted uh, so quickly after the, the result, because um, the result in itself isn't really a surprise in terms of Scottish football can be absolutely terrible in Europe. Other than Rangers and Celtic, the other teams don't play their part enough, and I don't know what the reasoning is behind that. Sometimes they get bad draws. You know, if Dundee United lose to AZ Alkmaar, I don't think that anybody could be totally surprised by that. Uh, St. Johnson last year with Galatasaray, right? these kind of things, fair enough, they're playing tougher opposition. But there's so many times where you've seen the likes of Aberdeen, Hearts, Motherwell, Kamarnock, this, uh, a few seasons back, that are lost to teams that they shouldn't be losing to. For quite local as well, so as if there's long journeys. These are teams from Wales, from Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, wherever, who aren't got the same spending capacity that we've got here. So it shouldn't really be happening, and it, it happens consistently. And we have to have a bit of a kind of rethink of how we perform in Europe. Because it's, it's really, it's biz- it has to be so fucking bizarre. There's my first swear of the season. It has to be really bizarre that we can get a team into the final of the Europa League and then a team that can't be yeah. part-timers. Aye. It's, it's so, so, it's so I, inconsistent. I, I, like, I mean, maybe I'm, being a, maybe I'm just being a bit um, cliche here, but I, I think it's, I just feel like it's some sort of a mentality thing. Because as you say, it's this is no an isolated incident. This has been going on for years. Um, you know, it, with, with various teams in Scottish football, um, various teams that have done well. You know, like you said, when, when Kelly went into Europe, Dundee United in previous seasons before they went down, um, Hibs Hearts, um, you know, um, all, St. Johnson, all all of these teams have went into the um, European campaign. Sometimes coming up against big boys. Um, and then get put out unsurprisingly, but a lot of the time losing to very, very poor or average opposition um, that are not playing at the same level that, that, that our, our league is. Um, and you're not looking at, I mean, you're looking at a club like Motherwell. The Motherwell don't have big spending power at all. They do not have money, Motherwell. Famously, they, they, I mean, they play, pay their players next to nothing uh, and they rely mainly on loans and free transfers coming in. But at the standard of football they play, they can attract good players and they do have good players in their squad. And the fact they've been absolutely banjoed out by Sligo Rovers, who are who were fifth in the League Island last year, you know, um is 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 really shocking. And I just wonder I just wonder if there is a there is a pressure when they go into these Europe. European games that they don't ex- seem to experience because I mean 
you look at Graham Alexander's record, right? And I'm kind of going back on onto Graham Alexander here, but I mean, you look at his record um, at Motherwell. I think he had six, six, sixty-nine or seventy games, twenty-seven wins, twenty-eight losses. Um, so it's and that's a lot of that. To be fair, it's probably been made up by his his early, you know, six seven months uh, in charge there, but. Overall, you know, from the early stages, he didn't have a terrible managerial record, but they were on a poor run um, for the past kind of six months or so. Um, and it's just, you know, it's kind of went on into this crucial European tie. But, you know, even if Motherwell were going into that game really hot and Graham Alexander had, had got them, you know, playing really well, I wouldn't be overly confident of, of you know, a Motherwell going into that game and, and beating um, a team, be it Sligo Rovers or, or, or whoever. I mean, you look at um, Kelly when they when they went out to Connors Key Nomads just a couple of years ago. There, they were really they finished the season. Fair enough, they lost David Clark, but they finished the season absolutely phenomenally. Uh, and then they went into Connors Key and get absolutely embarrassed by them. So, yeah, I, 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 do you have the answer? No, I don't. I really, really don't have the answer. When, you know, you made the good point, Scott, of how can you get a, a, a team like Rangers, who a lot of clubs like Motherwell, like Kilmarnock, Dundee United, who on their day can beat Rangers. Um, you know, I mean, you've seen that a couple of times last season. Um, how can we get a team like that to Europa League final? But we can't even get, most of the time, we can't even get another team into the playoff round of a qualifier. Never mean never mind the group stages. We can't even get them to the, the point where they're on the precipice for qualifying for a group stage. Running out of fancy ones there. What was that? Precipice. Precipice, mate. That's how oh. don't worry. What I'm, I'm, I'm bringing the thesaurus this season. I'm bringing the thesaurus this season, by the way. This is dic- dictionary corner way. Uh, I was going to say Carol Vodham in there, but it is the Carol Vodham, is it? She does the maths. You're a bit, you're a bit, I mean, I, I can't believe you, you know, uh, Carol Waldeman did Dictionary Corner, you seem a bit young. No, she was, she was a mass, but you know, Dictionary Corner Susie Dent that does Dictionary Susie Dent, aye, that's but it. Carol Waldeman, I still thought you were a bit too young to remember Carol Waldeman doing the numbers. It's been oh. Rachel Riley for a few years now. Oh, I know, Ra- oh, I know Rachel <laughs> very well. So, I countdowns get Dictionary Corner, we've got Dick Corner. Absolutely. Aaron. And you're looking, you're looking at the prime prime material here with three years. Well, the only the only numbers you need to know then are twenty percent off and free shipping with the code SFF twenty at uk.manscape.com. Um, summer as well. I was going to say summer's here. It's kind of gone. I think maybe it'll return. But yeah, get your lawnmower four point zero. Get it used. Get it looking good on the beach by the pool for your birthday. Whatever, just whatever you're doing. Night out. Make sure you're nice and trim. Yep. Tidy, Swe- sweat- sweaty times during the summer, mate. And uh, see the old lawnmower 4.0, by the way. Fantastic at trimming the body here, particularly in the, some of the more uh, some of the more tender areas of the body. The more tender your, areas? Your, your, your real dictionary corners. Is that what you're saying? Aye, yeah. <laughs> um, so we should say as well, it's not just a lawnmower 4.0. You can get the refined cologne. So you can be smelling nice as well. Your weed whacker, all sorts on there. So get on there as well. Get your discount. 
get involved and it's all good. Um, aye, but back to Motherwell. And do you know I think part of it as well, though, with Motherwell, the Alexander thing, I'd read that supposedly he went into Burroughs' office on Friday and kind of offered himself and said, right, I'm guessing maybe that's the end, maybe. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I think I think Burrell said that it wasn't a foregone conclusion that they were going to get rid of him, but I think if fans had turned. I think the fans, I think the fans, it, yeah, it, it kind of sealed the fate. Um, and you know, fair play if Alexander did kind of sense it and held his hands up to it because many a manager won't these days. But um, it was just the right, it was the right thing for the club, probably for Alex, Graham Alexander. Uh, in the long run himself, but the fans had totally just turned against him that, that by that point. And, and quite rightly, I mean, they, they, they own the club, I mean, they, the fans own the club, and they go out week in, week out. And was it not the same reason that Salford decided to get rid of Alexander? They were doing okay, but did, the did style know, of football wasn't the greatest. Did he not have a fallout with, with the owners? It's so they, they, they've gone through quite a few managers to be fair, yeah. but they're obviously pretty ambitious aye, as well. Aye. So, mm-hmm. um, aye, I think he get he get mutually consented there and all, didn't he? So we'll see what happens. But we've been earlier. Motherwell haven't employed a manager from within Scotland since the early eighties, so they they tend Ooh. to employ someone that's working elsewhere. A great start. Yeah, it was good. I was I was looking through it and then looked through all the other managers. You would think some some no. of them. Well, some of them must have. Alex McLeish. Alex McLeish must have. In terms of, I think it's another Scottish club. Right, so it's for taking an actual manager. Is that what? Yeah. Aye, because obviously McLeish started off there, management-wise. But a manager. So, very interesting. I've seen Duncan Ferguson get mentioned. I don't know. I think he would get a job down south, maybe. Yeah, I don't. I mean... I think Dunk, Big Dunk's one of those guys that he went down to Everton, what, in, was it 2001? Something like that? He went a long, long time ago. No, I thought um, it was late 90s. Was it? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, late 90s. So, I, I mean, I, I don't, personally, I don't see him, you know, he's made a life down there. I mean, you can even hear it when he talks, you know. I mean, he talks about a wee kind of twang of scouse in his voice. Um I, I I don't see him coming back up. I mean, I mean, you look at even look at somebody like Mickey Mellon who came up for one year and then left because um, he's made a life down south. You know, I just I, I see Duncan that same mold, and I don't think he's going to want to cut his managerial teeth. He'll want to do it in the lower leagues of England, probably. Tranmere Rovers. I think it all depends on what kind of position comes up, and I think Motherwell might be an exciting prospect um, for a lot of managers, but. Something like Duncan Ferguson, I don't know. Um, but it would be, it'd certainly be an interesting, uh, it would be a, a box office appointment if they could pull oh, it off. Um, I would I would agree with uh, Josh that an English club would probably be more what he's looking for, but it just depends if he wants to jump right into it. That's why he left Everton, was to show himself up as a, at number one, so it just depends if he wants to go right into it with the Motherwell at the moment or wait a few months and see what progresses with people down south. There was another name mentioned that was interesting, but uh, Mark Warburton. That was Andy at MFC 86 podcast, our good friend. He's not going to leave, <sighs> he's not gonna leave West Ham. He's not going to leave West Ham. He's just joined West Ham for Motherwell. I don't, think, I don't see anybody... 
um, leaving Rangers or Celtic to come back to the Scottish Premiership unless they're Scottish and unless it was like a, maybe a caretaker role that they had at the from. I don't see why why that would be where Mark Robert wants to be. No, I I I don't. I mean, I don't see that one. I see. To be fair, you know, I think Mark Warburton is a bit too, or he probably sees himself as a bit too big time. Uh, with the greatest respect for Motherwell, I think he probably sees himself as not in an arrogant sense, but I think he probably sees sees his coaching ability and his coaching pedigree is is above that of of um, you know historically a. A kind of mid-table Scottish club um, in the Premiership, considering the fact he's he managed Rangers for three years as well, uh, well two years, two and a half, something like that. Um, so yeah, um, I don't see that one. I'd be more inclined to think Motherwell goes for someone if they're not going to promote from within, like Sir Stevie Hamill. Um, I'd be more inclined to think they might go for someone like Kevin Thompson, um, who I think could be interesting. Um, I've heard good things about his time, but then again, when he was coaching at Kelty, he was at a club with, that they had a lot of money. Um, so it'd be interesting if they went for someone like him. Uh, alternatively, they could uh, go and try and get Stephen Robinson from St Mirren. Um, I don't know if they're up for paying a kind of, any kind of compensation or that. I don't know if that would be something that Stephen Stephen Robinson would 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 fancy. Um, I know the Motherwell fans would probably take him back. Um, I don't know if it would take him back. I think that was just journalists. He kind of sidestepped the question. Um, well, not even sidestepped it. He kind of said that he was he was excited by the project they had at St Mirren, which I think means that he thinks it's not a, a go or whether he thinks that they would offer it or not, I don't know. Um, Sean Malone, is he still available? Um, He's still available. I think he, got uh, hard, he, he got, Scott, he, he got hard... Uh, personally, I think he was hard done by it, Hibs. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you could judge him as a manager on that stint. Um, and if they're looking to change the style of football, he's obviously worked under uh, Martinez, and that's the kind of style I'd imagine he would like to see his teams playing playing that. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think anybody can judge him on that, Hibs. Um, so that, I mean, Hibs for. You know, for months now, I've been in a decline themselves, and I don't think it's down to him. I think the the kind of the running of Hibs seems to be a wee bit suspect at the moment. So, um, it just again depends whether or not they could um, woo him. Um, you know, because it's not just about who's available; it's whether they would take that that job. Um, and I think it's a, a, a prime job for somebody. I think. Motherwell's a well-run club. There's a lot of exciting things happening uh, at Motherwell behind the scenes. Uh, I think the fact that it's fan-owned is actually a very good thing. Um, so I, I'm interested uh, to see who they bring in. They've got a decent tie at the weekend as well, St Johnson. So maybe you've got a breathing space in terms of bringing someone in. However, their transfer business hasn't been up to much this summer. So maybe they want to get someone else in so they can get the actual players in. They've only made three signings. So, see what happens. You know, as I said earlier, I think Hamill, um, given him a few more games just to see if he can uh, if he can do a job. Because, you know, obviously he's a, a kind of legend at that club and somebody who the fans will get behind. So it, it would be an interesting one to see how he would get on after a few games and then maybe long term. Um, keep it on track with Europe. 
Rangers tomorrow night. No, by the time folk listen to this, it'll probably be tonight. What do you think, Josh? Only on. Um, Ro- Royal Union, <laughs> the staunch, staunchest team. Um, well, the second staunchest team in that tie. Uh, I, um, I, I think, I, I think we'll, I don't want to preamble anything. I think we'll beat them. Uh, but I do not want to go into this tie with that kind of arrogance or, or not not that Rangers have been arrogant at all, but I don't want to go in with any sort of arrogance just because we reached the Europa League final last year and we absolutely banjoed Hunters up world-class teams on the way. Um, did that happen? Yes, it did. Uh, that's not for me to comment on, uh, but I am. But uh, no, Union tomorrow, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, I think we'll definitely get the beating of them. Um, but historically, they are a big Belgian team. Um, the yeah, just looking at them briefly um, before when the, when the tie was announced, because I'd never really paid that much attention to them in terms of Belgian teams. It was always Anderlecht and Genk and Ghent and all that that I, I knew. Um, but historically, they are one of Belgium's larger teams and have you know a, a huge pedigree. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I think we'll probably get the beating of them. Um, it'll be interesting to see how um, how Gio decides he wants to line up, actually. Um, I personally think he might be minded to swap to a three at the back tomorrow night um, at the time of recording, um, just after the game at the weekend with how kind of poor Suter was in the back two, playing left centre-back, um, I think he might be minded to put Suter at right centre back and possibly James Sands at left centre back. I read earlier Suter's not travelled. Suter and Kent. Is he not? <laughs> no. Right, I knew Kent, I knew Kent hadn't travelled because uh, I seen the, the press conference with Dave Voss, but um all right, okay, that's interesting then. Okay. Um but right, that that will that'll be interesting then if he if he decides to go with a back two with James Sands because unless unless Ben Davies is fit, I mean he wasn't um, he wasn't there at the weekend, so I don't know how fit Ben Davies is. Um, yeah, okay, okay. I'm pretty sure Ben Davies was in the squad, and Matondo was returning as well in the squad. Yeah, uh-huh. and who else just missed at the weekend? Well, there, was, there was a few. Well, there was a few missing at the weekend, but some of the longer term, Morelos is uh, still coming back. Um, Haji obviously is still out. You've got a number. Um, in terms of the new boys, it was just Davies and Matondo, as far oh, as I'm aware. Uh, Yelmaz. Oh, yeah. Well, he did a work permit thing. He was, yeah, he, so he's come back. He did his first training session a day after arriving. Um, but I, I, again, I've not seen any of them. Um, and I think, could it be a wee. I'm not saying it's a risk because he's obviously a huge pedigree. I mean, I've never seen him play, but. You know, from what's been said about him, apparently one Turkish journalist described him as the best left back that the Turkish league's seen in the past twenty years or whatever, which is high praise considering your you know the pedigree of Turkish football over the the past kind of um, decade or two. Um, but you know, in a really crucial, I mean, we need to get into the Champions League. That that has to happen this year. It has to happen um, unless we go into Europa League and go to another final. But uh, but we have to get into the Champions League. So we need to keep up pace with Celtic, in my opinion. Financially, that is. 
because um, you know I don't think Celtic were quite banking on Rangers getting to the Europa League last season. So that in terms of because we, we were always talking about how how much of of a financial kind of aspect it would be winning the league last season because the team that won the league goes straight into the Champions League and there's all the plaudits and all the money from that. But I don't think anyone expected Rangers to get to the final of Europa League and make all the money associated with that. So the fact that Celtic managed straight into the Champions League straight away this season compared to us, I don't think, but because of the fact we reached the Europa League final, I don't think that that financial aspect, the gap has widened too much because of that. Um, but I do think to keep pace with Celtic, we, we need to get into the Champions League. And I think a lot of your players will want that as well. A lot of the boys that are coming up on their final year or are in their final year, we need to get into the Champions League this year to try and get them on new deals. Um, I'm thinking about your Kents, you know. Um, I know Aribo's away, but but you know the other players that are on under a year left that we want to hold on to. So it'll be interesting to see. I think we'll win them all night, but I'm not shouting saying that in an arrogant way. I, I, I just I think we'll have the beating of them. I think having that kind of question mark over the defence um, isn't ideal for Rangers. I think the uh, you know with obviously Bassi leaving. Hilander being constantly injured. Katic isn't really seen as going to be progressing at Rangers. Sands seemed to have a good pre-season from all accounts uh, at the back with Bolton, so I would have thought he would have started anyway. I think Suter was playing to try and get his match fitness up. But I, I, I see a lot of people looking too much into uh, Suter's performance against Livingston in terms of just writing him off totally. Uh, I think that's ridiculous. He's already played, as far as I'm concerned, he's already played more league games for Rangers than Paul Ritchie ever did uh, when he made that similar. And everybody thought Paul Ritchie was fantastic um, back when he made that switch. I think Suter has just came back from another injury. He's not had a lot of pre-season. He was, he was playing, obviously, usually plays in the right of a of a back three, he's playing in the left or back two. I'm not saying that he can't play in a back four. Um, I just don't think it was ideal to fling him into that, especially uh, at, at Levy with that pitch. Um, but it is something he probably wouldn't want coming into a Champions League qualifier um, to have that kind of question mark over your defence. But at the same time, I think given how they've done in pre-season, how they showed the character of beaten uh, Livingston after a very good start from Livingston, a very good goal. I imagine they'll have enough to, to put the Belgians, but looking at the next round, if they do go through, that's a very tough round as well. You know, that, that that's potentially very, very tough to get, to get through as, as well. And it's it's not nailed on that Rangers will get into the Champions League. I agree that, again with Josh that that has to be the ultimate goal. Um I think if you get in there and you can then tie down Morelos, you can tie down Kent. But even if you can't, you've still got that buffer of payments that you're you're willing to then keep them for that last year because you've you've got that payments plus the Bassi money, the Patterson money from January, the Aribo money. 
you know, I don't think, you know, I think Rangers financially have been not, you know, have, have been probably, this has to be one of the record years for turnover. Um, but you have to keep something, you have to keep progressing and it's all right getting to Europa League final, but now the next step has to be getting into the Champions League and it has to be showing that you are actually a good team in Europe consistently. Um, and that's the one thing that Gerard kind of didn't accomplish. And now I think Van Bronckhurst has to try and do that for Rangers. I think it's imperative that they get into the, the Champions League uh, group stage just to just solidify that standing that they've created in Europe. He plays in the recruitment over the summer, Josh, in terms of players yeah. coming in. Yeah, yeah, um, really. I, it, it was a weird one. Um, it seemed there was absolutely nothing from months. Um, and then it was like, I don't know, it was like, it, it, was, it was like, you know, first buses or something like that. You know, you, you were sitting, nothing, absolutely nothing happens. All the fans were getting antsy and all that. And then suddenly there was all this movement and a hundred things were happening at once. Um, you had Aribo going out the door, Bassi going out the door for a record transfer fee. Um, you know, uh, and, and then you had, you know, um, the, the uh, new players coming in. So you had obviously Suter was always, you know, that I mean, that was decided ages ago. But Matondo um, looks very good. Listen to a, an interesting um, interview with a good friend of the podcast, Eric Ray. Um, and uh, he was saying it was it was just talking. A was talking about Matondo, and B was talking about um, uh, Malik Tillman, and. Uh, it was it was a really interesting. Tillman's an interesting one. Tillman, when he came on at the weekend, I am getting him my fantasy team because let me tell you that boy can play football, um, and he is going to be one I think could be very good for Rangers this season. Uh, Kolak is is an interesting one as well. He's looked he's looked quite good in pre season. Be interesting to see. Go to say at the weekend. I do feel his goal was onside. Um, so. You know, there's the first controversy. There's the first VAR controversy of the season already, and it was the first game. Um, but yeah, f- fairly happy with the business. And do you know something as well? The business that Rangers have, have done has not just been effective, but I think it's also been cost-effective as well, considering the outgoings. And it was rubbish to lose Joe Aribo and Calvin Bassey, um, but I think we've you know replaced them. Um, and albeit I haven't seen all the players yet, you know, haven't seen Ben Davies in action, haven't seen Radvan Yelmaz in action, uh, but based on their pedigree and what we know about them from previous clubs, um, certainly sounds as if it's um, astute business so far, but time will tell. Um, really excited to see Radvan Yelmaz, uh, Radvan Yelmaz to be honest, because um, he does um, look an exciting prospect. Um, so yeah, um, all seems all seems to be on the up and Got, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Rangers fan. I think we've recruited better than our other title challengers. Um, I, I think they've made their two really big signings, Carter Vickers and Jota. We'll probably come to that, John. But I think they're known quantities. Uh, we know we already know what they've got. They're very good, but you know we know what to expect for them. We've played against them for a season each. Um, so yeah, be interesting to see um, how things go. So you're think, confident because you've got Rangers winning the treble in your predictions. Yeah, I've 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 got Rangers winning the treble and Celtic finishing third. Yes, 
it's going to be a good season. I think the, the most kind of uh, interesting part of the recruit, Rangers recruitment drive has been actually the academy. If you look at, they've picked up a lot of talented players from other clubs um, in the league. And I think that shows you kind of long-term thinking that probably hasn't been there, um, certainly not recently at Ibrooks. Um so I, I think it kind of shows that they they are thinking differently from before, which I think is a good thing for both Rangers and Scottish football. Um, so and I, I hope some of the young players, you know, your Kings and stuff like that, kick on this season and get some more game time. Uh, the, the signings, I think it's always a kind of... A hard one to kind of when a club signs seven players, it's a hard one to kind of see how everything goes until Christmas time and stuff in terms of them all gelling or who's 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 good and who's bad. Um, I, I think they've got the core still there from from last season, which I think is important. Um, go go on from Josh's point. I think it's it's kind of. For me, at this moment in time, it's kind of equal in terms of both Rangers and Celtic's transfer business because it's been huge for Celtic to set to re-sign essentially Jota and um, Carter Vickers. I think both are fantastic players, both kind of top-level players in Scottish football. So to get them when there was kind of question marks there is kind of huge business for Celtic. I'll be interested to see their, you know, I've got my nephew's a Celtic fan and he really likes the look of Bernabe, the left back. Uh, so it'll be a, a kind of a problem position somewhat for Celtic recently. So, and the players that they've, they've let go, Rogic is gone, uh, Bolongol is gone, and uh, Beaton's have all left and they've kind of replaced them. So, Bowie's came in. As I said, Bernabe is at left side. Uh, and who's come in for midfield? Instead I, think, of... I think they want one more in midfield. That's been the talk. There was somebody though else that came in in midfield and I can't now remember who that was. Um, but there was somebody that I thought, right, okay, well, or, or a centre-back that's come in that I thought, right, okay, that replaces Beaton somewhat. They brought in uh, men's. Men's, so yeah, so the centre-back. So yeah, I could see them probably needing another midfielder. I think McCarthy, for all people we're talking about, Ramsey being a terrible signing for Rangers, I don't think enough has been made that McCarthy's actually a pretty poor signing for Celtic because he's in a, what, a three or a four year deal. That was, and I thought that was crazy at the time. I think um, he was signed, I think by all accounts he was probably signed before Ange came in. Because yeah, I think, I think yeah, he's, he's a, a Dermot Desmond signing, I think. But the, uh, so I can still see why they would probably want another ball winner. Um, I think Hitati will be an even better player this season for Celtic. Uh, all, the, all the kind of Japanese players, I think, will probably step up again. I think they're still... Uh, I, I still don't fancy Joe Hart as a kind of top, top keeper. Um, it'll be interesting. They're, what will be interesting is, is, is always the case, I think, with Celtic when they finish the Champions League, is how they're actually going to do in the Champions League. Can can Ange do anything in Europe that's different for all? Because Ange won the league. Celtic played fantastic football last season in Scotland. 
But we saw that already with Brendan Rodgers at Celtic, how that could all happen, and then get absolutely pummeled in Europe. Can Ange do something different in Europe? Can he actually make them a force? Because for Celtic, they have to look at what Rangers have done and think, well, we have to match that. We have to show that we can perform in Europe as well because that's where the next level is. And if they can't do that, then it's not good enough. There's, there's no progress there. So there has to be a progress in Europe for Celtic, I think, this season. That was something we discussed last week and Miguel reckons that supposedly there is a plan B getting worked on. We shall see what happens. <laughs> how does Miguel do this? Is that Miguel in uh, Angie's pocket? I, oh, the the, the, <laughs> I mean, no, but I mean, look, and look, I, I'm, I'm reticent to get, get too involved in this um, because I'll get accused of, uh, uh, you know, blue tinted specs and whatnot. Um, but I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't think Angie Postecoglou has a plan B. And knowing about, I don't mean that in the Mark Warburton sense, right? Where he was run, he eventually, you know, he get run out of town because he, he didn't have a plan B. I, I mean, I think Ange Postecoglou wants his teams to play in in one way, um, and that is, you know, all guns blazing, um, you know, f- flowing football, attack, 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 get this ball going, score hundreds of goals. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. By by um, any uh, means whatsoever, you know, it's obviously really entertaining for the Celtic fans to watch in the league. Um, but I just don't think it, um, it reflects uh, well when when they get into Europe. Um, that European run that Rangers went on, I might have mentioned it, um, but we we uh, went on to, and we got to the final of the Europa League, uh, and on the route to the final, we absolutely, absolutely banjoed a number of absolute world class teams. So uh, when we but when we were doing that, um we did score a lot of goals and we did, you know, absolutely, you know, batter them. But for a lot of the time, a lot of the time we, we were brilliant defensively. We controlled the game from midfield. We screened Jordan Lindstrom was amazing. He was incredible in that run. And 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 that's a side of the game that I don't think Ange Postecoglou is as interested in as he is about um, what's happening at the other end of the pitch. And I'm not saying he, he doesn't have talents in setting up a good team because they only they, they only conceded was it 22 goals in the last league season. So they obviously are good defensively, um, but I think when they get into Europe against top level opposition, um, I think they're a wee bit vulnerable um, potentially. Um, but you know I'm, that's my blue tinted specs. <laughs> This is this is where the kind of yardstick's going to be kind of put down for Celtic in terms of how good they are defensively, because in Scotland the defensive tactic that Celtic employed more often than not, I would suggest over ninety percent of the time was possession football and attack of other teams. That was their best way of defending was to keep the ball and absolutely harass and press and everything else in the opposition's half, which is fantastic. Worked really well. Uh, got them the championship, everything else, and it's now can you change that? And historically speaking, Rangers have always been the team, and I've said this many a time on this podcast, but Rangers have always been the kind of Real Madrid version of in Scottish football in terms of they don't mind doing the defensive things. They, they, Rangers just want to win. The Rangers fans just want to see the team win. There'll be some out there that want to see them winning by nice free-flowing football, 
but in the kind of identity, it's just win at all costs. It's Celtic, there is more of a mentality of the kind of Barcelona way of winning, but in a way that impresses everybody, the way that they kind of attacking football or the Celtic way or whatever we want to put it. And that's the thing, that the kind of, we're Celtic, we're probably at the best in my generation of football in terms of Europe, certainly, and even probably the league as well. I, I, I suppose Brendan Rodgers, uh, maybe, but Martin O'Neill. And Martin O'Neill, if you look back, it's a wee bit the same with Gordon Strachan, but I think really with Martin O'Neill, while they could attack, they also could defend and they didn't mind kind of defending and taking a wee bit of pressure and having a plan B and doing certain different things. And Celtic haven't had that, I think, and they certainly didn't have under Rodgers. Lennon was a kind of shit show waiting to happen. Um, they had a great result in Europe, though, because against Lazio, so he, he showed a wee bit more to Martin O'Neill in Europe. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where Ange falls, because so far in Europe uh, last year, and it was very early in his tenureship, he couldn't get things going differently, couldn't get the results that they required. So, but, but now they've got that breathing space of actually getting right into the, the group stages. How can they then find their feet and either finish third or hopefully for them top two that's the and can he can he actually do that right so following on from that Dundee United returned to Europe for the first time in 10 years on Thursday home to AZ Josh earlier on you alluded to the fact that unlikely Dundee United go through that was me alluded to that but- yeah but I, I, would, I would I tend to agree with Scott uh, AZ are a fantastic team um, and I think um, I just think it's good. That's that's one of those um, that's one of those ones we were talking a wee bit about about earlier um, when we mentioned about St Johnson coming up against Galatasaray, or you know many years ago Hearts coming up against Liverpool. Um, I think that's just one of those ones that's maybe just going to be a wee bit um, insurmountable for them. The thing is, we actually seem to, in terms of performances, Scottish clubs seem to do better against the bigger teams, but just not get that final result. So it's, it's it's almost as if it's easier because they don't expect to get the result. So they play a wee bit. This is almost as if they're playing Rangers or Celtic. So they pick, them, they pick themselves up, but over two legs, they just can't get the result. And while I want Dundee United, you know, fingers crossed to get through that tie, I, I can imagine a, set, a similar kind of scenario where they just can't go over the line. Neither game's on TV, I don't think either. No, uh, this is the thing, you know, this is kind of Scottish football and the broadcasting and everything else. It's just not, you know, we can, you'll see more money going into the English English women's game um, on the back of their success in the Euros than you'll see coming into Scottish football because broadcasters just don't give us any sort of... um, plaudits or exposure or anything it's just here's your money and be thankful we're giving you this What was that England won the Euros? Didn't see anything about it New Josh? No I mean I'm sure we'll come to that um, I, I have nothing to say No no. Um, right good news for us though in the podcast team 
the lower league predictions game, we are 1 0 up against Ali, courtesy of Hamilton and Morton drawing 1 0. So we even let Ali go first because last year he wasn't happy once we took the lead that we were going first all the time. So I'm going to turn about. So as good a time as now, let's get the predictions on the go for the weekend. Right? So what shall we pick in terms of the championship? Let's see what game we'll go for. And then decide who goes first. Out of three to pick. So Saturday, what we got? We've got a broth in for this, Morton Cove, Party Thistle Hamilton, Wraith versus Dundee. Maybe go a broth in for this. Yeah, possibly. Um usually go for the games that are going to be tight to make it difficult for everyone. Aye. Aye. Right. They are both throughout the weekend, didn't they? Inverness drew. So we don't really, I mean, we've no, aye, they both, they both, I'm sure, what was our both? 0-0 at the weekend, weren't they? Aye, I think they were, they were 0-0. And uh, Inverness, I'm sure, was 1-1. So aye, um, aye, go with that. Go with, go with both Inverness. Right, so what are you picking for the score then? Um, I shall go a broth one and for this Cali now. Hey, okay. Um, League One, I need to say that Clyde got the result of the weekend because most people are predicting Clyde to get relegated and they get the beat Queen of the South 4 1 away. Um, so good result for them. I think maybe what should we go for League One? We had Falkirk last week in the mix. I, I'm, I'm, I'm strong. I mean, I know we had Falkirk last week, but I think Airdrie Falkirk is an attractive. I mean, there's two teams that are going to be looking to, to be going for the league this season. Remember the East Coast of FC Edinburgh, as we now have to call them, and uh, Dunfermline. I like that. Should we go for that? Yep. Right, okay. Right, what do you think, Josh? Well, uh, Edinburgh, they beat Kelty 2-0 the weekend, didn't they? Aye, a bit of a surprise. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a bit of a surprise going away. Um, but uh, Dunfermline, I mean, they need to get out of the league right away. So I'm going to go 2-zip, two, 2-zip two two uh, Dunfermline. So now two, right, okay. Now no two. Right, you two can pick the League 2 game for me then. I'll let Josh, but since I picked that one, Josh can pick League, league Two's. I just, I, I can't see. What was the League Two at the weekend game? At the weekend, John, who did we have? We had Dumbarton and Stolid Albion. Right. Um, Dumbarton, we, we bought Stolid Albion. So did Ali, to be fair, uh, and Dumbarton won. I can't see past my favourite, my second favourite team in Scotland, apart from Rangers, uh, Bonnie Rig Rose. So they've got, they're, they're away to East Fife at the weekend. Irvin Meadow, they're not your second favourite team. Well, I do. I mean, I've got a lot of. I've got a soft spot for uh, Bonnie Rig Rose. I just think they're absolutely fantastic. I've got so much respect for for Bonnie Rig. Um, still, what they've achieved and how they've, particularly how they've done it. Um, so, I East Fife Bonnie Rig Rose. Uh, wait, wait, okay. how, would you, do you like do you like that, Scott? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Both, both one oh. by two goals at the weekend. Hmm. Bear in mind we're on the same side. We're trying to make that easy for us, but I let's see what we'll go for. 
Bonnie Rigg, East Fife. Well, East Fife, Bonnie Rigg, actually. Mm. I'm going to go a Desmond. 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. So, we've got a broth, V Inverness, a broth 1-0. FC Edinburgh, V Dunfermline, 0-2. And then East Fife versus Bonnie Rigg Roads, 2 all. So we'll get these out. We'll probably get about later in the week and then Ali can wait till he finds out from all his players that he knows who's in, who's out, and all that, and then yeah. put his predictions in. So aye, but a good start to that. Uh, fantasy football as well. Need to give a shout out to our sponsors for the fantasy football. So we've got supply shirts, and they're currently giving a discount of 10% off their supply shirts on their website. So get involved. Code is SFF. They get some cracking kind of kits on there. And then, as always, thanks to James at Supernova Terraceware for their support. Um, they've got a summer range out. They were doing a discount at the weekend for the bank holiday, but it's finished. But I'm sure there will be discounts throughout the season. Ideal fashion for the Terraceware. You can customise your designs. Um, so get involved on there as well. Yeah, re- really good gear on that um, Supernova Terraceware, John. Good quality gear, like... Um... Not just the designs, the the, the quality of the, the clothes is um good it's good for what you're what you're paying, you know. Yeah, fantastic. I've got many a t shirt. You've got a few t shirts as well, haven't you, Scott? Yeah, I've got a couple of t shirts, took one away to with me to Florence earlier on in the summer. So uh not definitely a, a t shirt company or a clothing company that you can you know you'll get good value for. Definitely. Um fantasy football, I know you've got a team, Josh. How did you do at the weekend? Oh, but the thing is, I mean, the thing is with the fantasy football this season, mate, it's a it's a wee bit more complicated this season because y- you don't just do do up one team. Uh, you you do up a different team for each league. Yep. And and I've got to be honest, I'm not all that keen in that. Um, I prefer just having one team that I can chop and change every week. So, mm-hmm. but I, my, my so the team that I'm actually maintaining, uh, I done really well at the weekend. Um, I'll just tell you exactly how well I done. Uh, I am sitting second uh, in my league. Uh, I got 63 points at the weekend. Um, so not too bad. Not too bad to start. Would have preferred a wee bit more. Uh, so I've got some changes to make. Uh, namely, Stephen Kingsley, who mysteriously came down with a, a case of the... A case of the, dis- the disappearance at the weekend. Um, it was absolutely fine. He was going to start, and then suddenly five minutes before kickoff, he's never to be seen. I thought you were going to say dysentery there. He came to miss some dysentery. Come on, that's a family show, Scott. Aye. Well, that's a no bad. I get 71 in my main team, which I was pretty pleased about. 71, did you? Yeah. Aye. Um, unf- I think, and I'd even better if I'd put Yota as vice captain. That was my, I had Tavany as captain, standard. Aye, uh, cheat co- the, the cheat code. The cheat code, aye. Um, but yeah. Who, who's yeah. Your, who, who'd you put as your vice then? I put Kolak. Did you? No. Bit of a bargain. I think 5.4 million. I thought Morelis is missing the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Who else is going to play up top? So I... Um, I don't know if you... Did you get involved, Scott? No, I tell you what, because I just went totally off the boil after Christmas time and then it just frustrates the life out of me when I've missed a few weeks and then a few weeks comes a, a few months. So... I just want to concentrate on actually watching football and just enjoying it rather than thinking, oh, Martindale's an absolute arsehole for not playing this player or Van Bronckhorst can go in the bin because he's not played this, this guy and I'm just going to enjoy the football. 
Right, fair enough. I, no, I always like doing that. I try and set aside the time on Friday night, maybe sometimes, and try and sort my team out, but see what happens. The problem is with these things is there's proper like professional players, um, and they win all the prizes. So, but bit of fun, bit of fun. Apart from when you start like going, oh, that's good that such and such scored, and you're like, mm, I should have been happy that someone had scored for another team. Other than my but own. I, 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 I mean, I don't know. I mean, so the, the fantasy football for me, I mean, like for example, see when Celtic, see when Celtic score. I mean, so you're always, you know, I'm always a bit disappointed if they've scored against whoever they're playing, um, but. You know, I'll immediately then get a wee lift because if it's, for example, if it's Jota, I'll think, oh well, oh well, at least he scored. My fantasy football teams get however many. Points. So what happens? What happens if uh, Jota gets a hat trick against Rangers and it's three two? You're not gonna. You go back. Well, sorry, Jota's got. No, 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 no. Well, no, no. Real, real, real life always takes precedence. You know what I mean. Real life always takes precedence. Yeah, I think that's why I prefer the, the old school newspaper ones because you didn't get to change your team. Do you remember the ones that were very, very start with the newspapers? You had like 20 million to spend. No, only two players from one team, and that's you, and you kind of change it after that. That's the kind of... That kind of pick, you, know, you have to pick that team before the season starts. That's you. It's a bit like... Uh, you're not allowed to sack your manager during the season type thing that we're always talking about introducing. I think that was the best way of doing it. Right, but yeah, you're snooker if players get injured. That's you. That's it, that's it, that's it. But that, that, that means you can't have these professionals, as you call it, coming in and winning everything. They have to uh, judge it at the time. Uh, the worst bit was, though, in those days, was if somebody made a late signing. Aye. And then you were rate gupped because that was it, you'd already put your team in. Or if you're your player had switched clubs and you already had like two say Aberdeen players and then another player joined that was at Motherwell and you're like, oh I need to take him out because you're only like two players in one club. Um right so football returned as well in the West of Scotland Football League at the weekend. Uh, Josh, how did Evan Meadow get on? Uh beat three one after uh and Rangers. Oh I didn't know that. Good game. I think, I think you did. <laughs> <laughs> See, I tell you what, I interviewed uh, the Cowan Rangers chairman last week uh, oh. before before the game. Um, he was, I think, he's in his villa. Villa. Uh, do, do you ask them about? Do you ask them about where their money's coming from? Because I bet you, I bet you, didn't tell you. But he said to me that he thought Arthur Meadow were going to do really well this season. So I think he'll be delighted that he managed to get a win off his because he was really picking up Orvin Meadow. Uh, uh, it was an inter- interesting game, uh, John. Um, I think, uh, I'm not just saying this, I think Orvin Meadow uh, will, be, will be up there this season. Um, they have signed a lot of good players. Um, they have signed, a, and, and 3-1 did not reflect the game. Um, Orvin Meadow, they missed uh, two open goals, and I mean open goals. Um, so be well, yep, it'll be interesting uh, to see. And then obviously, um, well, mind you, you'll be in two minds about this, John, but it was good to see Devil lost their opening game. Oh, I, um, but you know, against against Cumnock. Um, so I don't know how you feel about that. I like you can't have them both lose, so I suppose uh, you'd rather maybe Cumnock win that one, especially with Talbot playing Darbo this weekend. Who, who's your ones to watch then this year by Meadow out the new signings? Uh, the striker Callum Graham uh, looks fit. 
he looks very good. Um, he was really, really good on Saturday. Uh, they've got the centre-back who's just been made club captain, Callum Gow. He's been out for a season. He's really, he's class. Um, they've got a boy, actually, and I'm trying to remember his name. Um, Brandon something. Um, anyway, he's came for the youth, the Urban Meadow youth. Can't remember his second name. Oh, that's going to annoy me. But he is 17 years old uh, and he came in towards the end of last season for Urban Meadow. And, you know, he looks really good. Uh, did not look out of place at all at the age of 17, playing against guys that are 25, 26, 30, 35, you know, in, in, in some cases. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, one to watch as well. So, yep, they look like they've got a good team together. Be interesting to see how the um, how the league transpires in this season. One of the best football leagues in the world. Can I, mean, I, quickly, can I quickly just say, uh, send condolences, Pollock uh, lost uh, former chairman uh, Stuart McDonald, uh, died yeah. recently. Uh, he was with my supporters direct. Uh, Scotland videos and stuff. He was the first person that I actually interviewed. Really nice guy. Always fantastic uh, on Twitter. Always great. Uh, when I was, I saw him at Pollock, so uh, condolences to his family and his friends and everybody at Pollock because that was a sad loss. Echo, echo that, Scott. He was he was a well kept face uh, in the junior football scene. Um, he was always, um, uh, he came down to Meadow Park uh, a number of times and always kind of very, very uh, generous uh, in terms of, um, you know, when he was down there with, with the opposition clubs and that. And, and that was reciprocated uh, whenever uh, fans arrived at uh, Pollock's ground at um, Midlands Field Park. So, yes, um, I condolences to, to uh, everyone associated with Pollock. It's, like, it's people like that that make, for me, uh, the West of Scotland League so special. Um, just because you've got people like that at every single club. Uh, the people who will do will go above and beyond, will do things for free, will do things uh, like uh, videos with outside people like myself just to promote everything that the club's doing. In that case, it was the academy. Uh, we spoke to Sarah, who's now down south at Hartlepool, played for Partick Thistle and stuff. Um, and it, it, you see it, you know, during just when the first kind of uh, when the lockdown was started to, to, to I was going around um, coming to an end. I was going around to various clubs, and I just popped into Urban Meadow. And by chance, the chairman was there. The, the gates were open. I said, is that all right if I get some filming? Just because we were doing this video about football reopening and things like that. And he was, again, fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been to quite a few of the grounds now, probably not as many as uh, the two of you, I know that especially down at Ayrshire, where you've probably been to them all. Uh, but everybody's been so welcoming. You go to the grounds, you go to the football. The football is, by the way, the football's, on par with a lot of what's higher up in the professional leagues in Scotland. Don't don't kid yourself on uh, with that. It's really good football. More honest. Yeah, you could walk around this, the pitch. I always love that. I don't like sitting in a wee plastic seat. Uh, I did when I was a kid, but now I actually like going around and seeing different views of the, the game and things like that. And you meet these uh, brilliant characters. The food's fantastic. The food's better priced than is actually... 
you know, from a bakery that's probably just down the road that, you know, I, I mentioned uh, this summer I went to Beath for the first time via a conversation I had with yourself, John, and I finally tried their uh, chicken and haggis pie and fell in love with it uh, the first bite, just even the first smell. I've taken George, my dog, to a couple of games at Pollock and Beef and stuff like that as well. You can only do that at that level because they're so welcoming. They want everybody in the community, even outside communities, to come in and just sample it. And the atmospheres are always fantastic as well. Has Meadow kept their prices the same as last year, hey, George? Uh, I'm sure I'm sure I was £8 to get in, yeah. Um, I, ju- I mean, just following on for what, what Scott's uh, saying there about... Um, West Lowland League, West of Scotland uh, football, and it will be the same in the east and the south uh, as well. Um, the the pre- previously the, the kind of uh, previously junior level football. Um, I mean, for me, it's a kind of there's, there's a, a trifecta of um, uh, that's uh, Susie Dent there again. Uh, but uh, there's a trifecta of 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 things that, that make that level of football so great. So one, as you said there, rightfully. Is it's low prices, um. So you know, you're eight. And, uh, in other words, I should say it's one of the more expensive grounds to get into is eight pound uh, to get in uh, to a league game. Uh, the food is cheap and it's always good gear. It's it's no rubbish. They, you know, they get them in for brownings and 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 all sorts and you know, olds and you know, it's it's really good gear. Um, that you're getting in. So, so there's there's that element, right? There's the community element that is it's always the same people. I mean, you can go to a yeah, you can go to a a Hearts or a Celtic or an Aberdeen, and you can sit in the same uh, chair, you can sit in the same seat for the whole season, and you will get to know all the people that sit around you in your season ticket, and you will become friends with them. That is completely true, and you will see all the same faces when you go, but. There is, there's not that same sense of community spirit and camaraderie um, that goes with, with junior clubs. So, for example, junior clubs will put on different social functions throughout the year and it'll be the same people that go to it, the people that you go to watch the football with. Um, you know, those those same people will go into the social club and have a few drinks before at halftime and after the game. Um, and, and you will spend and then after the game what will happen is that the players will come in and have a drink and get a chat, a chance to chat with the fans uh, and have a bit of if it's, if it's been a loss you know a bit of um, you know just a bit of patting each other on the back and saying oh too bad you know what or what happened today what do you think um, and then at the same time when it's a big win there'll be that buzz and the, and the fans will be sitting there with the players and, and that probably takes me to my third point is the relationship with the teams is a lot closer, you know. A lot of the a lot of the guys that are playing in the teams, some of them, you know, guys my age, so, you know, my age, some of them, some of them will all went to school with, um, or I'll have grown up with, um, you know, in the kind of pubs and clubs around Durfin. So I know them a bit, and you can have a bit of banter with them about how the team's doing and things like that. And that doesn't take anything away from the seriousness of the competition. Because you know it is a it is serious, serious business, um, and it is, you know, it, a win in that league is just as um, it's it's just as wanted as a club um, in in the Premiership, for example. The obviously the 
um, money involved is a lot different in the size of the kind of budgets and all that and the professionalism of the game but in terms of the desire to win and the spirit of the competition is no different from any other league it's absolutely fantastic so those are the three kind of things that I would say the community around the club the value for money and um, the relationship that you um, get with the t- the actual team that you don't have higher up well, look at it look at this way right when I went to be so it was me and my wife and the dog, right? So we get, me and the wife got a pie each, right? Fantastic steak pie and a wonderful chicken and haggis pie. And that same weekend, there was a burger that went viral at Pataudry mm-hmm. that looked absolutely vile. It cost £5. And we got two kind of uh, absolute artisan pies at Beef that we thought, oh my God, I can't believe we've spent just £2.50 each on, you know, we were absolutely raving about it. And yet that's the, that, that to me kind of separates what, what the, the experiences are that are different. You actually probably get a better fan experience going to that level of football than you do getting to a championship or a, a premiership game because, you know, for, for whatever reason, these teams are just more enshrined in the community and they, they're giving things back they, they know the kind of value of the community and I don't think a lot of the professional clubs do I think it, the biggest thing as well is the committees and the board and all that they appreciate people going whether it's your regular fans or whether it's maybe someone that just visits for the day a ground hopper or someone trying football for the first time, they want you there they appreciate your business, they appreciate you coming you're made to feel welcome I mean, Josh, you'll know yourself at Meadow. I'm pretty sure you'll walk about in the board and they'll be like, they'll know everyone's name. They'll be like, mm-hmm. right, yeah, they do. Hi, hi. The board, yeah, the, I mean, the, the committee and the boards, they know, and, and they know everyone, they know everyone, all the regular fans, they know them all by first name, they know, you know, who they are, where they're from, all of that. Um, and if you, and if you have an issue, if you have a question, you can go up, you know, you can go on up, up and ask the board, they'll, look at, they'll maybe not give you an answer, hi. but. Uh, but you know, it's no, you know, being a Rangers fan as well, it's not as if you know, you can, I can walk up to Stuart Robertson and, and ask him, you know, um, what's happening with Nico Katic? Is he staying or is he, is, or is he going? It seems like McGill's got a, an, an open phone to the Celtic board of the Celtic dressing rooms. He knows, he knows all about that, but he seems to be the only one. He's in there. Uh, but the, yeah, it, it's I was a uh, uh, Talbot last season, John was meant to be there, they just dinged me, didn't come in the end. He <laughs> says he was, he's a big fan, but obviously he's not. Aye. But the question that I asked fans and was filming them was saying, Why do you love Auckland Lake Talbot? Why does it mean so much to you? And there's people that would be coming up from down south that they, they originally stayed in Auckland Lake, they were born in Auckland Lake, and they still came up from down south because that's where they felt at home, that was their football and home. They said that you know they, they, they just they couldn't live without Auchinleck Talbot and you know it was it was so many people that they had the same kind of story that that is where they were born and bred that's that makes their week as they see the, their team and it's just you know it, it was fantastic to hear and then you know when I, when I went to co-winning it's how much that they're giving back in terms of that they've got a new community hub that they have a new snack place for people to, to, to have it. They, they bring things with the environment they use their own stuff they, they've got the 
wind turbine, they've got the solar panels and things like that, so it costs cost effective. They, um, they had a football tournament on for loads of kids. There's a huge tournament for kids throughout Ayrshire. It's giving things back. And it was the same when I went down to, to Cumnock. You know, they, it, it was, they'd gone from a pitch where they couldn't guarantee that there wasn't going to be needles and dog shit all over a public pitch to then offering kids the opportunity to play on the pitch that the senior players played on and things like that. You know, it, it, it is... That sort of warmth, and every single time that I go to that level to speak to anybody, or if I just go as a fan, you're welcomed as soon as you're in, as soon as you step through the turnstile, as soon as you make a phone call or a, an email, you're welcomed in. And it's, uh, I can't speak highly, of it, highly enough of it. It's, I've always felt really welcomed in those situations. Anyone I've ever taken as well for the first time is generally hooked and wants to go back. They're like, when does that game? When can I go? When you're playing? So I think that's a good time as well. Oh, so you do take people to the game, you do yeah, meet people just, to the games and stuff, just know me. I had something on that time, unfortunately. <laughs> um, Scottish Cup draws tomorrow, the alumni draw as well. So, big day. Pollock in it for the first time, I think. Yeah, Pollock, you've got uh, Rutherford and Cairn in it as well. Um, I think Lockheed. Winning, winning that was, uh, I think, their, their SFA membership. So there is there is a, a few new teams which is good because I think I think they can I think these teams could do well in this competition. I, I honestly think if they get to, to certain levels, people are going to be surprised if they were to get like a, a league two or one team. These, these teams can get shocked. We've seen it before. We obviously Talbot getting far doubled in pretty well last year. Clyde Bank. So who, who, who are you hoping to John? Who are you hoping to get in the Scottish no, Cup? No, you anyway because. Played you last season, we played you about seven times last year. It felt like um, something different. Like, so you don't want another team in the West, you want somewhere a aye, team that you don't normally get. Maybe are we, are we, are we away to somewhere kind of northeast or the east or something like that? Are we away to in the east? Maybe let me see, Cold Sea, Murdoch, Bar, something like that. I've not been there, I've been to some of the other ones in the, the east, so mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. We'll take something like that. What about you? Um, I'm hoping to get um. A buy. You just want a buy. Uh, yes, so, I'm, I'm hoping to it, get. That's the open metal attitude. Hope, hoping to get. Hope, hoping to get a buy. Um, Dumbal would be a good one for, for teams. I think that that does look a scenic. Dumbal's a nice town, so that'd be a good away day for anybody. I think. Uh, I think there's only two teams get a buy. Pretty sure tomorrow. Uh, open meadow could be one of them. Aye, uh, Ty's twenty seventh of August. You've got to be in it to win it. Uh, I think Ty's are twenty seventh of August for that round. So I uh, will see. I've seen spec. I think originally I'd seen the draw was nine o'clock Tuesday, but then I seen it was three o'clock. So who knows? Um, I think it'll be on YouTube anyway for following it. So aye, uh, anything else you want to cover before we kind of wrap up? I don't think that's us. A pretty short one. Uh, no, no, I mean. Um, uh, look, I, right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Do you know something? I'm gonna be a big boy here. Right. Okay. I'm gonna be a really. I think it is a great thing for women and girls in England that the English national women's team won uh, the Euro twenty two twenty twenty two. Right, we can cut that bit out. That's all right. That's fine. That's no worries. Hey, hey, I'm not saying it was a good thing. 
I'm not saying it was a good thing at all, right? I'm saying it was a good thing for women's football in England, right? But can I can I actually right, can I actually just say one thing though, right? Right, and right, this is not going to be con- this is not going to be as controversial as it sounds, right? But I I seen people, right? I seen people going like, oh, what a great thing that England have won. What a great thing for the women's game, right? That England have won, right? And I'm actually thinking to myself. So what, was it going to be a bad thing for the women's game if Germany won? I'd imagine what they mean to kind of, in context is for the English game or you could maybe make a kind of roundabout thing for British women's football. Fuck off. I don't don't buy into the British football thing because see when they were talking about going to games, going to this, that, that, it was all WSL. It was nothing about going to your... Yeah, women's games in Scotland or Wales. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thinking of young girls possibly in Scotland watching the tournament and then maybe getting a wee bit caught up on it. Yeah, I'm not talking. The 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 biggest thing is the one thing that's proven time and time again and will do as long as we share the same kind of broadcasting rights and everything else is that the English media can ruin it for everybody else. Of course they can. And by and by the way, uh, by the way, I, I tweeted this earlier. I know you've probably seen it, but in the English football media does not deserve Ian Wright and Alex Scott because they were absolutely class acts throughout that tournament. You know what I mean? Jonathan Pierce. They can keep the rest of them. As far as I'm concerned, but uh, no, and they don't. See, see, but see, to be honest, see if we see if I if I kind of step out and a, a bit more kind of uh, realistic, I don't mind the English media as the English media as long as they keep to England. I don't want to hear it. Do you know I mean I want? I, I don't mind people being passionate. I don't. I, I love people being passionate about their teams and stuff. But mm. to be force fed that as a Scottish person I or a Welsh person or from you know anybody from Northern Ireland or whoever. I don't agree with that. That's the thing. It's like by all means, if you want to be passionate about your national your national team winning a, a competition or your national team winning a game of football, one hundred percent, I fully support your uh, right to that. I just don't want to be watching it. I don't want to be yeah. listening to it. And that's that's always been my biggest mm-hmm. kind of thing about it. And nobody in England seems to be able to understand that that's an issue. Yeah, well, and, 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 we're get, and we're getting into yeah, aye, and there, I mean, there we're getting into the ter- the term the territory of um, how broadcasting and how media works in the UK. Um, you know, which is uh, you know, I, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's it's imbalanced, um, and you know, without going into the specifics of it, um, it is it and, is certainly imbalanced in the twenty first century, right? There is nothing to stop the BBC, for instance, in this uh, particular case, using the red button for either Scottish people to click on to watch a studio piece from just Scottish people talking about the game and kind of giving an oversight into the game, or for English people to press the red button to get the kind of patriotic English coverage. There is nothing to to stop that. It's not going to, you're not going to outdo your, your, budget by any stretch to have these kind of things available to, to people. It's just that they don't care. They, they, they just want to just say, oh, this is England, let's blow some trumpets, and everybody else can just live with it. Yeah. On the back of it, though, in terms of the tournament itself, you hope maybe the SFA will look at it and think, well, let's kind of do more. I've seen 
more progress the last week or so. Yeah. Kamarnik, um, I've taken on some professional players that were there already at the club. Yeah. So that's progress because they're in SWPL too. Mm-hmm. So if that can filter down, we get more professional players in the Scottish game. Right. That's this is how this is what I mean by it being it could be a kind of turning point as well for Scottish women's game in terms yeah. of just a kick up the backside. Just for yeah. listen, we need to try and reach as high level as as possible. We want to get mm-hmm. better and better. We want to kind of keep producing these players that can go and provide uh, world class talents to teams outside this country, but also provide world-class talents that want to stay in this country as well mm-hmm. um, and to give them that option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, because, you know, I mean, you, I, I, I really would like to see, I mean, football is our national game and, and it is, and, and let's be honest, it is utterly ingrained in, in our psyche from a very young age. The man's game that is, right? It's utterly ingrained, indoctrinated into us, generally speaking. Um, but and I'm I'm saying that from the perspective as a as a young man, um, and you know, in in the context of a pod a podcast with with three men, um, I don't see that same. I don't see that same level of innate. Um, I suppose um, just kind of envelopment from a young age of football in young girls that, that you do in young men. You know what I mean? Um and, and I would schools, like even the schools don't really have many Yeah, I, I don't think they do. I don't I don't think they do. And and that's a shame because you look I mean you look at the how good the Scotland national women's team done uh, has has done and how good the Scottish Women's Professional League has been over the past number of seasons now. Um and there's a huge market there because we're not, you know, we're not particularly great at promoting women's team sports, and if we're going to start anywhere, let's start with the one biggest sport in the country. Yeah, what well, what we might see as well, the fact that Rangers and Celtic have to kind of taken it more seriously yeah. from a professional point of view, that's then going to filter down to other teams, which Definitely. we are seeing. Um, but yeah, we need more teams playing, more people playing. Did you and- see, see? 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 Sorry, to interrupt, John. Um, did did either of yous even even hear? Of a women's football team when you were in secondary school at, at your school, I didn't. No, would you in terms of where well, girls well, allowed to I, play? No, no, no not that because I know they weren't allowed to play years and years ago. But I mean, when I was going oh, oh, oh. out, wait a second, no, no, no. But, but what I'm saying is because I, I went to school uh, with uh, Amy McDonald, who is the kind of one of the head people at Rangers coaching and things like that. She played for Kilmarnock. up. Celtic, Glasgow City, and stuff. So, Aye, but I'm ta- I'm talking about you know I- I'm not I'm not talking about like girls who extracurricularly go out and play football. I'm talking about like within the school context. I- when I was in school, it wasn't even promoted. So, so, so they so they, they did. Um, so my school did have a team, but I think it was mainly focused because they had a talent. Do you know what I mean? So Amy was that good that they then kind of fostered it because um, I'm sure they. It's weird because you go to secondary school, right, and you've got your school team is managed by the math teacher. It's not a PE teacher. I've never really understood that. <laughs> but uh, he said that she was the be- technically the best player that he coached, and he thought he'd coached like Simon Donnelly and stuff before that. Yeah. Um, well, so that we, math teacher could have been better off in counting. 
I'm not sure. He was he was good at anything and teaching maths, English, uh, football. I don't think he was that great a teacher, to be honest. But the uh, so so yes, we did have a, a a team. But I think, as I say, it was kind of focused for for one reason. Um, but then that's maybe led to to more in in, in the future. Uh, so, but that might be, as I say, we might not have been this the kind of same as everybody else. Anything else on the matter in terms of discussion for that? Or are we moving on? No, just um, I, I just want to underline. I, I think it is a good thing for women and girls football in England and probably in the UK uh, that, that the English national women's team won the uh, Euros, um, and that is that is the headline. I will swear the matter. I will not say anything else. Just, yeah, we're just jealous that Scotland went there. So I've got something yeah. to get it at because I know Josh will be quite um, interested in this one. When it comes to football and politics, where do we kind of stand? Uh, well, fa- famously, Scottish football uh, is not a political place, is it? Um, there's there's no no room no room for political matters in Scottish football. <laughs> the, that is the cry, isn't it? Um, you know, is is uh, is uh, tens of thousands of Celtic fans are, are flying their Palestinian flags, and uh, you know, tens of thousands of Rangers fans are, are flying their uh, Northern Irish uh, flags. Um, that that famously is. Let's keep let's let's keep the politics out of football. Because it, I, I always find it strange that you know they always try to use football for positive ways in terms of spinning certain things or making it open for everybody, which is fantastic. That's what we should be doing. But then kind of cutting off certain fan groups or certain clubs for making certain political statements. And you think at the moment, everything's so political, politicised in, in society. You've got real straits, possible straits from every part of the It must then impact on football, whether it's West of Scotland and teams at that level throughout the country because they are ingrained with the community or just normal fans that go to normal games, yet it seems as though we don't want to make we kind of cut football off from those kind of discussions. But um, to to be fair, mate, I I think... um... At the top top level, um, I think there is a bit of a disconnect um, in the certainly in the kind of political life of fans uh, compared to their boards because a lot of boards are run by Tory bastards. Um, uh, you know, Rangers uh, are run by Tory. Uh, can I say the C word, John? Are we... Scott, Scott, you have run by Tory cunts. Yeah, and, 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 and by the way. By the way, Celtic are run by Tory cunts and all, right? It might be Tory cunts wrapped in an Irish flag, but they're still Tory cunts, uh, you know. And it doesn't just, you know, even, you know, even Hibs. You look at what Ron Gordon, Ron Gordon. I know he's American, but he's a fucking right wing, fucking, you know. He's 
I'm, I'm not going to go into my, my political uh, rantings here, um, but yeah, and I think I think there is that a certain disconnect. But you look at you look at a club like Motherwell that's that's fan owned and fan run. You see you see how much, and they're, they're not doing anything particularly political. They're just they're just doing things for the community that that are um, making a difference. They care about our fans. It seems more than maybe what uh, a Rangers and Celtic do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, and and there there is a there is a space there is a space to allow that. I think football clubs are community institutions first and foremost. They would they would not exist. We've seen that in the pandemic. There would it's a it's a cliche. It's an old saying, but football without fans is nothing. It is nothing, and you know, um, I think that football clubs need to need to remember that particularly and connect to their, their fan base because their fan bases are working class and their, and their fan bases are suffering right now through this kind of time of strife and um, expenses and you know the fact I mean look, look let's let's take that Dundee and uh, part oh god I nearly done a Sky Sports there uh, said Dundee United <laughs> let's take that Dundee Patrick Thistle uh, let's take that Dun, <laughs> that Dundee Patrick Thistle game right Patrick. Patrick Thistle. I, Dundee Patrick Thistle game, right? That that twenty four pound a ticket, right? That's no. I mean, it's hardly the fucking Champions League final, is it? Who are they? Who the hell are they to charge their fans twenty four quid to? How much are their season tickets? I think, unfortunately, in the Championship, you're talking about twenty odd quid. But I think Dundee have kept their prices the same as last year, which yeah. in this current crisis that people are facing. A lot of people are going to be priced out of football. See, see this, is the thing that, this is the thing that I cannot still understand. It's like I went to the Queen's Park Dunfermline Athletic playoff game the end of last season. I think it cost about like 17, 18 pounds. And the standard of football was absolutely dreadful. And I'm like, why, Matt? You would, why do you think you could base that price on that kind of standard of football that you cannot consistently... And I said this about the SFA with the Scotland team for years. If you can't guarantee a, a specific level of football, which you can't, then you can't be asking for, for for what is a lot of money for people these days. And I think Rangers and Celtic could get away with it 100% because they know people will always pay for it. And when I say people, I mean 50,000, 65,000 people every second week and then we'll talk you know something crazy like what between 15 and 20,000 or something waiting for Rangers uh, season ticket and stuff so they can get away with it they could do whatever they want people will pay the prices but I, I don't think you know teams like Aberdeen Hearts Hibs can, can, can do it to, in terms of I think they could probably get more people in if they just became more community aware more kind of a wee bit more politicised, where they actually back people who are there and look at the prices of tickets, look at um, match day experience, look at you know. If, one of the perfect examples that I think to do it right is uh, Stenhouse Muir, in terms of they've kept the same strips this season as last season because they know that people are feeling the pinch, and I don't understand why other teams in higher up can't make similar kind of sacrifices. The big thing we've said for many a year is, like, see if the, the stadiums are not full, get the kids in. Yeah. Like, seeing the... That's the other thing the West of Scotland's got going for it. See if you're a kid and you're under probably 12, you're probably in for free. Yeah. 